brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome back, Cincy 360. Let's get hour number two underway right here on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station, the home of the Cincinnati Bengals. James Rapine covers the Bengals for allbengals.com. He's joining us right now. James, what's going on, man? How are you? What's up, Tone? I'm doing well. How are you? We are, uh, we're in this weird time, right? You know, we, we got one more preseason game, and then there's the week off in between. It, it feels like the season is so close, yet there still feels like there's some stuff that needs to get sorted out for this Bengals team. What's, what's the top of your list? Between now and that Cleveland Browns game, what is the top thing that the Cincinnati Bengals need to accomplish? Well, the fact that they're taking a week off means you're probably going to hit the beach again. So I'll start there. <laughs> but uh, as far as what the Bengals need to accomplish, as Tone is soaking in more rays, I'm sure, between mm. now and September 10th in Cleveland. I'm out of vacation. They need to figure out a few things. Yeah, they need to figure out a few things. I think the top thing is something you can relate to, backup quarterback. Ooh, Who in the speak world on it. is going to be Joe Burrow's backup I'll tell you this, going into yesterday's practice, I thought, ah, Jake Browning has the edge. If he can just play pretty well Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, it's his job. And I don't think he was the favorite coming into camp. So he's had, he's been the lesser of two evils when it comes to him and Trevor Simeon. I I don't want to say he's head and shoulders above Simeon because they've both been bad, but you know what he does? He goes out there and throws an interception on the first play from scrimmage and team drills. Chidobe Awuzier. Uh, has a, a nice interception, but it wasn't a great throw. Trevor Simeon didn't look great yesterday either, had an interception. It's just, it's ugly right now. So I know Kellen Mond was released. I don't necessarily think he's an option, but is there a quarterback that gets released that piques the Bengals' interest? I, I certainly think that that's part of this conversation, but they do need to solve this backup quarterback question mark because it does matter. And I think it matters more than most because a lot of people say, oh, well, if Burrow's done, the Bengals are done. But what if he misses two games? And I don't mean at the start of the season, but at any mm-hmm. point. You need a guy that can keep you afloat, and I'm not sure they have that right now on the roster. Uh, let, let's talk about the, the offensive line. Uh, you had a chance to, to sit down and, and talk with Orlando Brown Jr. Um, how do you feel from a confidence standpoint? And, and I know that Orlando Brown Jr., he kind of alluded to the same thing that I think folks talked about where – eventually you're going to get to a point with Joe Burrow where, where free agents are going to maybe take less money to come and be a part of this and, and want to win a championship. How do you assess, as we sit here today, the offensive line throughout training camp going into the regular season? I think they've been solid. I, I think that they've, they've certainly been better than what we've seen from past offensive lines in this city. And that but, you know, recently, recent history, of course, there's been some good ones historically. But over the past seven years or so, it's been bad. I mean, we've covered a lot of these camps down together. And it is like, oh, man, this Bengals defensive line is just getting after Andy Dalton. And it was rinse, repeat for multiple years. And obviously, we've seen what has happened with Joe Burrow kind of scrambling for his life at times over the past couple of seasons. Now, last year, I thought that they were able to put it together and be decent in the trenches 
mid-year and, and kind of came into their own, but the injury bug bit them. These guys, the starting five, they're as as good as the Bengals have been since 2015. And I, I think that this offensive line could be a strength realistically. Certainly as, as a pass-blocking unit, I think that they could be really good in that area. And then you look at it on the left side, run-blocking-wise, Cordell Volson, just a mammoth at guard. And then obviously you mentioned Orlando Brown Jr. I think it's a lot of power on that side of the line. So, yeah, I, I do think that the, that they should be much improved. Health is always a question mark, but if they stay healthy, I think they're going to be the best Bengals offensive line in quite some time. Let me play devil, devil's advocate to that for a minute. Um, I, I think yep. Trey Hendrickson has had one of the most impressive individual camps I have seen from a player since doing camp reports. He has been dominant. The defensive line has been dominant, and yet I kind of echo the sentiment that you do that I feel like the offensive line has been pretty solid. Orlando Brown Jr. talked earlier in camp about you know wanting to use camp to work on some different parts of his game. What would you say to the other side of this to say, okay, if Trey Hendrickson has been this dominant, does that leave room yep. for concern on the offensive line <laughs> or around Orlando Brown Jr.? How do you answer that? Twofold. First off, yeah, Trey Hendrickson's really good. He's going to get the best out of Orlando Brown Jr. at times. He's going to win his fair share and get after the quarterback. At the same time, how many of those pressures are actually pressures if Joe Burrow is in? And, sure. and that's the part of it going back to the backup quarterback conversation. I think that it's almost wearing on the guys a little bit, and they're probably excited that uh, – and they might not admit it, but they're probably excited that – the, the training camp portion of things is over and that Burrow's about to come back for a bunch of reasons, whether you're Jamar Chase and you know you're going to get more targets and, and on-target targets, or you're this offensive line and, and you have a guy like Joe Burrow who can read the defense, get the ball out quick, isn't going to hold the ball, is going to have the pocket presence to step up when he needs to step up. Like Trevor Simeon, for example, last week, the, the comebacker to Andre Yosevash, where Yosevash is just running a go and he throws the comeback, you saw Simeon just keep drifting in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Step up. It made the offensive line look bad, and there was no real reason for it. And so, yeah, I think uh, I think it's twofold there. And the other part of this is the Bengals' defensive line is really good. Yes. And they are deep. I mean, they're deep. Bodies at samples. Zach Carter, both of those guys look really good. Joseph Osai. And, and it's translated to preseason games. So I think that that's, uh, that's how I would answer that. How good can this defense be? Like when you when you look at the tiers and, and you look at the linebacking core and what we've seen from the young secondary, the athleticism all over the field, the depth on the defensive line. What's the ceiling for for this Bengals defense? It's pretty darn high. You know, top five certainly I think is is a realistic ceiling. And it's you know, there's a lot of questions about the secondary, but to me, Chidobe Awuzie looks as good as he's ever looked and he's coming off of that ACL and we'll see if it translates. He's obviously guarding Jamar chase in practice this week, getting out there in 11 on 11s, but that's a big part of the secondary because if you have him, well, Cam Taylor Britt has certainly put himself on the map of a potential breakout candidates. I think Dax Hill is on that, that, that path as well. And so that's two members of the secondary that could be that we know how steady Mike Hilton is. And you go on and on. It's like, all right, well, Nick Scott's, should be fine as a veteran. Where's the where's the real the hole? And I just mentioned the defensive line. Well, it's really the entire front seven intact. You bring back Pratt, bring back Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, 
I think they should be really good on defense again. And do they lose something without Jesse Bates and Von Bell? Yes. I think there could be some communication. I don't even want to say issues, but they may have to work through some things communication-wise on the back end early. But they've been working through it throughout camp, so we'll see. But I think by mid-year they could be uh, – we look up and they're one of the top-ranked defenses in the league. I do question, and Mo Egger brought this up uh, earlier in the week to me, and, and I'll ask it to you. A couple years ago, uh, they moved Billy Price for B.J. Hill, and B.J. Hill is now a huge yep. part of that defensive line, and now I look, and there is depth on this Bengals defensive line, probably more depth than roster spots available, um, maybe even a little depth on the offensive line. Is there is there a move out there that you would even – think of reaching out or making and, and using some of that depth to try to add a piece, maybe a backup running back, maybe someone in the tight end room. Mm-hmm. Would you look to do any kind of those moves or, or maybe even the organization to make a move like that to use some of that depth that you probably can't hold on to and turn it into someone that can impact the team right now? Yeah, I think you, you certainly entertain that. And, you know, it's interesting. What, what could you get for a Jackson Carmen? Because there are a lot of guys battling for for few spots in that offensive line room, and so Akeem Adeniji, people might not love what they've seen from Akeem Adeniji over the past couple of years, but he can play both the left tackle spot, and the right tackle spot. He can be your swing tackle. Carmen, I think a lot of people are like, oh well, he he's way more comfortable at left tackle. Well, playing just one spot is obviously not as as beneficial as being able to play both, especially because he's been so inconsistent. So. Could you take that because he has those traits and, and, and the ability and convince a, a franchise, much like a, I think a, a Billy Price where he had that first-round pedigree. He didn't mm-hmm. necessarily have the physical tools Jackson Carmen had. And, and you flip it into a guy who's clearly better right away. It didn't take long at all for us to realize, oh, they won that trade. And, and so could they get a tight end? Maybe New York. New York's got a bunch of tight ends up there. The Jets, they need offensive line help. Could that happen? I, I think it's at least worth considering uh, you know, speculating about. It's hard for you, you, for us to predict a Bengals trade, but they've done it. They've done it multiple times. The Reggie Nelson trade from 2010 is a big one where Nelson became a really big part of the Bengals' defense in that playoff, those playoff runs from 2011 to 2015. So they've had success doing it. I think they will explore it again. And maybe they do look defensive line room-wise and, and maybe move one of those guys, one of the back-end guys mm-hmm. that might not make it, fringe roster guys, for a tight end running back. Those are only the, the really the only holes though. Yeah. Unless you went backup quarterback, which I don't really see a team trading a backup quarterback at this stage. It just feels like at this point of training camp and the season, teams are willing to give up more to get pieces for the season. It's a lot easier to move them now than it would be in the middle of the offseason when everyone thinks they got a chance. Now you get into training camp, you got holes on your team, you're willing to pay more to maybe fix some of those holes. Uh in your opinion, uh, what is the biggest Jackson Carmen for Zach Ertz deal? Ooh, deal of that one. Whoa. Deal. Uh, what is the Coming biggest? What's the biggest position battle? Like not position battle, but when you start to look at 50, 51, 52, 53 on the roster, where are those biggest battles taking place on the final week of the preseason? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. You're right. It's back end late guys. Uh, you know, it's it's wild because they signed Terrell Basham and Sidney Jones the fourth before the the draft and I was like man these are two really good signings it opens up the draft for you because you have proven guys both of them have been hurt and I think they've been bypassed in that 53-man roster projection and and race to make the team DJ Ivy's 
played pretty well. Now, I think he's had an up-and-down preseason, had a really nice play at the end of that Falcons game, but he's been great in camp. And do you move on from this young rookie for kind of a, a guy you know what you have in Sidney Jones, for better and for worse? I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's necessarily a spot for Terrell Basham either, but can one of those guys make a push? I, I think that's interesting. As far as the offensive line room, it, it's a tough battle there. I think Jackson Carmen needs to have a, another good outing. On uh, And I think he was better against the Falcons for what it's worth at left tackle. But he, he needs to continue to build on that to make this team. Max Sharping has been playing center and guard. Will he be able to, to beat out Trey Hill for that job where you're, you're backing up multiple spots? So I, I think it's tail end of the roster stuff. But let's go to running back Yeah, where Travion Williams has been injured. I thought he was the favorite to be the third down back before he hurt his ankle. And so does he play this week? Does he need to play? Or do they just say, you know, we think you're going to be the best pass blocking back anyways? Because I, I think they have a ton of confidence in him and being able to do that. So does he make the team that route? I think it's, that's one of the, another, another debate, rather, that they're going to be having. Let me ask you this. Lastly, on the, the football side of things, James, um, James Rapine, allbangles.com. The preseason, we, we, I feel like we have this conversation each and every year, and, and all accounts from Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor is that Joe Burrow is, is moving in the, in the right direction, the, the, the reports have all been positive, and yet I've seen Patrick Mahomes playing two preseason games already this year. Aaron Rodgers is playing for the New York Jets this coming weekend. So w- when I watch the preseason, I am seeing more quarterbacks that want to get out there and play, and I certainly understand the why. Is there a concern from an offensive unit as a whole? Because there have been some slow starts when you look at Joe Burrow not getting any preseason reps. Zach Taylor as the offensive coordinator not really being able to call plays in a preseason without Joe Burrow in that offense. Tyler Boyd has talked about wanting to be out there in a preseason game but but saying they're going to be ready regardless come September 10th. Where do you sit on, on which side of the fence of playing starters in the preseason to try to find that rhythm versus resting starters especially on the offensive side of the ball, which Zach Taylor tends to do. I would have loved for them to be able to get some snaps in Atlanta, but I think it's about as pointless as pointless can be to put Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins out there without Joe Burrow. Without Joe Burrow, in yes. A game that, in a game that doesn't matter. I just, I've just i watched these quarterbacks, and it's not like the timing has gotten so much better. Maybe the coaches would tell you differently. But I don't want a slant that is behind T. Higgins getting him hit in a game where there are guys fighting to make the roster or fighting to show that they deserve to start in other teams in other cities. I just It's not worth it. And so I get Jonah Williams playing last week. I also understand not playing the rest of the offensive line because Burrow isn't out there. It's just it all revolves around him and goes back to him. Now, if he were healthy – I would have played him in the preseason, probably a series. He would have gotten the Desmond Ritter treatment last week, and that would have been that, and we would say, see you week one. But uh, he's not, and so in a perfect world, maybe next year it'll be perfect. He'll be able to suit up in the preseason and play a few snaps, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally understand the logic with Burrow sidelined. I have to ask you this, and it's not related to the Bengals, but it is something going around. Kevin Hart uh, tried to race Stephen Ridley. Yeah. Kevin Hart's now yeah. in a wheelchair. Uh, this has gone back and forth between you and Ben Baby. I've seen Ben say he could beat you in loafers, but mm. that's not what I wanted to ask you. One of our own here at the station, the broadcast sheriff, Dave Keaton, 
tweeted at you and wants to know why you've ducked him in a tennis match for the last eight years. James, I want to hear from you. Are you scared of the broadcast sheriff, Dave Dave Keaton, Keaton. on the tennis court? He scares me often, but I I wouldn't say I'm scared of him, (laughs) to be very, very clear uh, about the situation. No, we, we have not gotten together for a tennis match. You've seen him play tennis, right? Or did you bail? No, I, I didn't remember play. you guys were supposed to play. I didn't play. Oh, you didn't play. I have I have so, video so, of him playing. Yes, I've seen it. Video of Keaton. Is he good? He played tennis. <laughs> All right. All right. So there we go. I've never played, so I'm not going to talk trash mm. in tennis. But in a foot race, I think Keaton would beat Ben Baby for what it's worth. And I'm not worried about Ben Baby at all. I I I I would be able to beat Ben Baby in a race holding my baby. I'm wow. not worried about that. So oh wow. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, Kevin Hart might be hurt. By the way, Stephen Ridley ran, like, in his prime a 4 6, six. Yeah. So he's probably running. He's 34. I looked it up. He's probably running, like, a 4 eight, six. I'm sure he's still sub-5. Yeah. But Kevin Hart, man. That's bad. Kev- Kevin Hart's talking trash, running, like, a 5-5. Five, five, and and Kevin Hart, like, works out every yeah, day. Not- yeah, he's in good shape. Man. Sprinting's different, though. Yeah. Like if you, if you're just lifting weights and then sprint, like that's much different. Yeah. So I can't Kevin believe Hart you. Learned, I can't believe you today. said that about Keaton beating Ben Baby. I mean, hasn't been through been through enough this week. Wow. And then <laughs> and then you say that. What happened? Unbelievable. I don't even. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Well, you know, fine. James and Ben might have been lumped into the same thing. We got to get it. We got to break. Yeah, uh, James. Similar. Thank you uh, so much for uh, for joining us. I uh, look forward to catching up before the start of the regular season. Um, allbangles.com. Uh, follow James on Twitter and uh, all of his awesome Bengals coverage. James, thanks a lot. Ben might beat you in a race tone, but he wouldn't beat me. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm not even going to give it the time of day. That's James Rapine. I'm starting to understand Joe Mixon a lot better. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Talkbacks when we get back. It's Cincy 360, ESPN 1530. Cincinnati Sports Station. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit.